Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of the Fleming Foundation. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner, and on this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Fleming. Dr. Fleming, thanks for joining us. It's a great pleasure today. It's a bit of shock for everyone here uh, in the United States uh, and worldwide, I, I think mirroring what we saw with Brexit, uh, although on a much larger scale. Um, so I guess my first question is, Dr. Fleming, tell us a little bit about your evening um, yesterday and uh, how you woke up and felt this morning. Good. Well, uh, first of all, uh, here in the beautiful Midwest, which you have been exiled from too long, the big comparison was never with Brexit, but with the Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. That's that's what you heard uh, everywhere. Uh, my wife and I went over to Jim and Betsy Easton, and they gave us a light supper. And it's interesting, Betsy Easton, but when she greeted us at the door, she said, he's going to win, there's just no doubt about it. I said, I think it's a cliffhanger. I think it's on the edge. I've never thought, by the way, that um, Hillary was a, a, a good candidate for the Democrats. She's got much too much baggage. She's she's old. She's unpleasant. She, many many Democrats actually hate her and her husband. And um, I thought from the, from the time oh from two or three years ago, I was telling people she it, it's yeah, I would bet against her being elected president, whoever the nominee is. So um, I've been watching the polls and the polls within the, many of the polls later and near the end of the campaign. If you if you if you add in the error factor, they weren't all that wrong. But it looks like Investors Business Daily and the Los Angeles Times. They were consistently showing an up and down of about two, about uh, two points one way or the other, Trump or uh, or Hillary. And I think that was probably true all along. We were dealing with people who just rigged the poll uh, by uh, – it's a question of how you, you choose your sample and what, what is your projection of the demo, which demographic elements are actually going to turn out. Uh, Rasmussen guessed wrong last time around, and he found himself out of a job. But um, – and this time, I think most of the polls deliberately guessed wrong. Putting putting Hillary up to 13 percent was ridiculous. It seemed very early on in the game that uh, the momentum had started. And when we started looking at the, the Florida returns and uh, even how close it was in Virginia, how close it was in, in Pennsylvania, it looked like if the, it was, a pattern began in the first hour of uh, at seven o'clock that uh, it looked like it was going to be a Trump victory. Watching um, CNN for part of the time, as I insisted on doing, uh, it looked as if uh, Wolf Blitzer and Anderson Cooper were at were at the funeral of their best friend. And uh, people were tweeting last night uh, a suicide watch for Wolf Blitzer. I mean, they, they really the the blood drained out of their face. They they, they really. They had convinced themselves by lying for this past year, and and the same thing was true this morning on NPR. When I woke up, of course, I woke up with a pop tune from a 1939 musical going through my head, and what was that tune? Ding dong, the witch is dead, witch old witch, the wicked witch. And um, <laughs> I think that I've... All over Rockford, which probably, went, at least on my side of town, Rockford probably went on balance to Hillary. But um, over here in the middle middle class, 
uh, I haven't heard a single person say anything but, and I'm quoting now, well, I wasn't that big a fan of Trump, but Hillary was, was just unacceptable. I'm so happy. So no black armbands today. Uh, no, although we're going to a reception tonight for uh, it's a fundraiser for a friend who's got some very bad cancer and he's very sort of left-wing uh hippie bohemian and so the whole place is going to be full of people i happen to know thought the election of barack obama was the greatest event in the history of the world and so i've told my wife just smile sweetly and move on we're we're not getting into we're we're going to get lynched if we uh so you're not you're you're not going to take one or two helpings of schadenfreude there Well, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take it. It's it, it's a dish to pass. <laughs> I, I I have to say, Doctor Fleming, it's hard to think of this as anything other than well, I don't want to say anything other, but it's certainly a repudiation of eight years of President Obama. If you're going to such a gathering tonight, these people must be thinking they thought the country had been reshaped permanently, and all we're seeing is now actually a reversion to the norm after an outlying candidate sort of messed things up a little bit for a while. Yeah, that's 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 just about exactly what happened. You see, normally the Democrats have been much smarter than Obama uh, and, and Hillary Clinton. When Bill Clinton was elected, he uh, came in with all sorts of stupid ideas from his crazy wife, but reality soon taught him the opposite, and he hired himself uh, a Republican strategist, namely Dick Morris, and he started talking like a middle-of-the-road to liberal Republican. And he got through a lot of his legislation in Congress, but he did it by presenting it in more or less uh, Republican or capitalist terms. And, you know, he became part of this whole sort of reformed wing of the, of liberal Democrats. This is, this is how you get things done in America. You don't swing too far in either direction. If you're Barry Goldwater, they demonize you as somebody who's going to cause a nuclear holocaust. And by the way, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton used the little, the now uh, old lady, but it was the little girl in the nuclear holocaust commercial mm. that, that uh, Lyndon Johnson had so fa- infamously run. This is how low she stooped, uh, to get, to get it, uh, to get a, 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 a PR actress as if she's somehow an authority on war and peace. What, what of course we know that uh, actually, uh, Trump is the first peace candidate to get elected in a very long time. Hmm. So, but the, the, the lies are, are, are just completely consistent. But the truth is that Obama went way into left field, uh, for his eight years. And partly it was being egged on by Hillary, who just cannot learn a lesson. And so the, this, the pendulum has swung back far more sharply than it did in the case of 1980 when uh, when Reagan is elected, because Reagan was, after all, a, a lifetime New Dealer. His hero was FDR. He was not especially an he was no more an ethical conservative than uh, Donald Trump, whom he so much resembles in his in his personal life. And yet people sold themselves on this idea of Reagan, the great moral conservative. But the fact is that People had had enough of the silliness and incompetence of Jimmy Carter, but people didn't hate Carter. They were embarrassed by it. People hated the team, the Obama-Clinton team, because of all the very serious damage they've done 
and their contempt for the American people as a national interest. So the pendulum has really taken quite a violent turn, not toward conservatism, because uh, movement conservatism, which uh, Trump has no use for. Most of his principal policy planks are, are quite different from the conservative movement. I think one of his signature quotes uh, was, in, in retort to the Never Trump people, was this is not called the conservative party, it's called the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, point well taken. Um, I want to get to the sort of template of 100 days, first 100 days, which is something we've really settled on as Americans. But before that is preemptive. You took us back to the 60s. Can I take you to the 70s, Dr. Fleming, and ask about Ford's pardon of Nixon? Because one of, one of uh, the lines I thought was one of the best zingers Trump maybe got her with was, uh, I think she said something like to the effect of, well, it's a good thing that uh, Mr. Trump is not in charge of, you know, law enforcement in this country. And he, he said with perfect comedic timing, cause you'd be in jail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so do we see either Trump starting his art of the deal machinations and getting Obama to preemptively pardon her or he pardons her so that basically he can claim the ability to move forward and be done with the Clinton chapter? Or do you think that this, that, that would vitiate him from the beginning? No, um, I, I, I don't. I think one of the, uh, for, for, first of all, I think that it would be a, a mistake for Obama and his party to par- and for Hillary to, to get pardoned. I think there's enough steam left in the democratic criminal conspiracy that they could get her off. I mean, after all, she's been exonerated twice by the FBI. Uh, but um, if Trump can trick Obama into pardoning her in advance, I mean, this they can they can they, they can campaign on this. The Republicans can campaign on that for 20 years. It would be a, a very slick maneuver. If I were Trump, I would probably advise him uh, not to prosecute her because it would look uh, petty, vindictive. And, and a real distraction from the business of, uh, of rebuilding America. It's, uh, it's, it's unfortunately, uh, a lot of the, uh, Trump or die people, uh, <laughs> w- would be, uh, telling them to do this. Like on, on our website today, some very nice, intelligent people said, well, I don't think Trump is really going to carry out his promises. Look, he's got, he's got crooks like Gingrich and, uh, Chris Christie. And Rudy Giuliani working for him. And my answer to that is, if he didn't have these crooks and thugs from the GOP nomenclatura, then you couldn't take him seriously. Politics uh, is not a, is not a clean game for noble idealists. It's a tough, dirty business in which you have to play to win. And that's why Donald won, frankly. He understands the American people and how degraded their manners and way of speech and, and their morals are. And so they had no trouble in voting for him. But really, uh, it's, you know, Cicero once observed of his friend, the younger Cato, Cato acted as if he was living in Plato's Republic, not, not with the scum of Romulus. And that is why Cato failed because he was constantly 
calling upon the Romans for self-sacrificing nobility of which they were incapable by that time. Americans today are not a noble, self-sacrificing, honorable people. And the idea that you could govern this country without the usual, without the help of the usual suspects, I think that would be very naive and, uh, and harmful for Trump. He has to work with even people lowlifes like Mitch McConnell. And Paul, and, and by the way, I have no doubt that Trump, when it gets down to it, he can, he can work with uh, Paul Ryan or any one of the people he's been denouncing over the years. Yes. And, and I think that they'll, they'll, they'll want to work with him. I don't think they're looking to have gridlock with their own Republican president. I mean, the, they, they now have all, uh, they have the legislative and the executive and it looks like they're going to have the ability to, to nominate Supreme Court justices. So they really can't, uh, yeah. lay the blame elsewhere. Uh, just as a, a footnote, um, before we move on to, to this, in reflection, was was it the right thing for Ford to pardon Nixon? Yes, absolutely. It wasn't the right thing politically. But first of all, um, Nixon was guilty of n- nothing more than uh, other other than his obvious paranoid streak, which developed at that time. But really, uh, Nixon had been the victim of hundreds of dirty tricks from the Democratic Party. And he was, and he turning the tables on them somehow is, uh, and, and by the way, I, I firmly believe that Nixon thought by, go, by going into the, uh, Democratic Party headquarters by raiding Larry O'Brien's office that he was going to find evidence that would uh, connect them up with, with communist subversion. That had been the way his career took off, you know, uh, and, uh, his work with, uh, Whitaker Chambers. Uh, to get Alger Hiss, and, as he told me once, that, that that that's the only reason conservatives had any respect for him because he nailed uh, he nailed Alger Hiss. But um, but Nixon was among the best presidents of my lifetime, despite his weaknesses. He had a good grasp of of uh, foreign policy, and Lyndon Johnson once paid him the the compliment of saying he was the most able political manipulator that he'd seen in the political Senate. Obviously, other than Lyndon, I was going to say that's high a, praise coming from that guy. Yes, well, it is. You know, Nixon, Nixon was a first class professional politician. And, um, and he, although he did a lot of bad things in his presidency, he did them with very high motives. He, we were in the middle of a Cold War and he thought that, that winning that Cold War was more important than, uh, than silly domestic, than, than stopping the silly domestic programs, which the Democrats were planning. It hurt Ford, of course, who was not a good president, but not a terrible president. And, uh, and, and, and it was too bad. But in ret- if I were Jerry Ford, and, and knew that oh, what I had done had uh, had saved the country from a lot of disgrace and misery, even though it cost me the presidency, I, I would still say he did the right thing. By the way, as Nixon, when he was elected the first time, he when, when he failed in 1960, excuse me, he held a meeting with his staff. They knew that key states had been literally stolen by the Democrats. He knew that he had actually defeated John F. Kennedy. And uh, because if you you take the, the the Chicago political machine, the Texas political machine, the mafia operating in places like Florida and Louisiana and elsewhere, um, you know there was the, that that is a very flawed and corrupt election. He should have been if he had challenged it, and there had been a fair judicial process. Nixon would have come out as president. But think of it, what to, you would be putting your country through. You know, shortly, uh, you know, right before the Cuban Missile Crisis hit. So, yeah. It, that's, just, uh, that's not very tolerant of you, Dr. Fleming, not allowing <laughs> dead people to vote. I mean, they have the same rights as the rest of us. 
Absolutely. Well, fortunately, fortunately, uh, 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 you know, as 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 Catholics, we believe that there that that dead people have an experience beyond the grave. <laughs> this is true. It's not not supposed to be, uh, by the way, civil rights, but uh, I would I, I would hope that one of the rewards of the afterlife is that I don't have to be subjected to the voting process anymore, Doctor <laughs> Fleming. Um, so let's suppose Trump is sincere and he actually tries to take this rhetoric. I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put tariffs on, uh, on, on Ford doing stuff with Mexico. What shape do you see his plans taking? Well, uh, supposing he's serious, I, I, I don't think we have to take him literally that he's going to build some sort of concrete wall across the southern border. But I think what he's going to first – uh, uh, beef up uh, border security. He's going to, uh, get, you know, because they've been they've been they've been hamstrung. You know, not only underfunded, but told they can't return uh, return illegal aliens to Mexico. I think all of those restrictions on the operation of the border patrol it w- will be taken off, and fences and walls will be built. Uh, along with electronic surveillance at key points. Obama deliberately, and, and by the way, Bush did nothing deliberately, and Obama did uh, what, what positively tried to tear down our security. This is not a difficult thing. Uh, on the trade issue, oh, you know, there, there's only so much he can do through executive order, but there are a lot of, first of all, executive orders that have been signed. There's a lot of uh, pending legislation which, uh, which, which the Republicans, even more than the Democrats, would like to implement. I think uh, he may be the one to put the, the uh, to, to stop this juggernaut of free trade uh, inter- uh, economic globalism, and 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 I think he could begin to roll it back. One of the things I noticed he started looking at was something that my former board chairman and good friend David Hartman uh, spent a lot of his life to, which is how developed countries in the world, Canada, Britain, country, EU countries, Japan, how they manipulate their, uh, their tax structure, especially their VAT structure to impose as much as a 30% penalty on American manufacturing. We don't privilege, they privilege their men, their industrialists. We, we penalize ours. That could be stopped very quickly. And then, you know, uh, he's not going to do anything about abortion, but no, n- neither will any president. Uh, he could begin uh, the uh, rhetoric, a drumbeat, to return abortion law to the states, which is where it where it should be, where homicide law in today is. And finally, one of the most important things he can do is if he keeps his promise to be to not to run around trying to start wars everywhere, if he tones down the anti-Russian rhetoric, uh, but also and also can uh, make make peace again uh, with the Israelis. While at the same time backing off from threatening the Iranians and, 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 and sticking our finger in every pie in the Middle East, this would be an enormous benefit. So if he's serious and does even say 20, 25% of what he promised, he'll, he'll, he'll bring us back to a golden age of 30 years ago. Right. And I suppose the follow up is, Dr. Fleming, what are the odds on something like that happening? The, in your assessment, here we are, twenty-four hours later, or the, the day of the uh, the day after. What do you think the chances are of pulling off even one, two, or three of these uh, plans into policy? 
Well, if you believe my first law of political elections, he will, he will, uh, which is that whatever a candidate has uh, campaigned on, when elected, he will do the opposite. Then uh, things are pretty dismal. If and uh, I would, so I would say fifty-fifty. But if he, let us suppose he does nothing. Let's suppose he even, like, you know, George Bush campaign, uh, uh, George W. campaign on the, uh, a policy that we didn't need go, uh, like, uh, quoting John Quincy Adams, we, we didn't go, uh, around the world looking for dragons to slay. We needed to mind our own business and stay home. Well, um, and then he, he, he did the opposite. But, Let's suppose Trump does nothing or, in fact, does the opposite of what he has promised. What has been created is a, for the first time, a coalition based on sound, wholesome Christian political principles. Every plank in the, in the, in the Trump, uh, platform is something, ab- first of all, abhorrent to the Democrats and to the Republicans. And, but on the one hand, consistent with common sense, what we know of human nature historically and is morally responsible. Trump, whether he knew it or not, he has pulled together a huge segment of people, many of whom had not voted in the past. I had not voted since 1980 in a presidential election. All right. I went out to vote. My wife voted. Our, our son voted. Every, I know lots of people who haven't voted in decades but and not not because they're lazy, not because they're uneducated. Many were you, were, were you people... running a shuttle service to the the polls, Doctor Fleming? <laughs> well, like you know, there's a lot that, of turns out like a turn out the vote uh, campaign at your house. There was a lot of discussion on this on on right wing kook websites. You know, they were talking. I brought fifteen. You know, and when I started reading that two two or three days ago uh, for the for the early voting, I thought, you know, these people are serious. And that's all it was going to take was for ordinary middle class and uh, and working class people to roll up their sleeves and go vote for a change. And it, but why bother to vote for Mitt Romney? What difference would it have made? Uh, you know, I'm I'm voting for the the nicer concentration camp guard who'll only torture me every other day. That's, there was nothing to vote for. The Republicans put up one after another improbable, ridiculous people. George W., Bob Dole, Mitt Romney, John McCain. I wouldn't vote for these people <clears throat> as to, 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 to clip my toenails, much less trust them with the security of the world. <laughs> um, well, so if he is just being cynical, as you're saying, what kind of victory was this for his supporters? It was it was a great moral victory because it showed that if you if they once got up and turned the football game off and if they got involved and active that the that these very simple common sense principles which have which have been there waiting for Americans to return to that they actually had an appeal and you didn't have to say well you know Marco Rubio wouldn't be too bad John Kasich <laughs> well he's wrong on all the issues but he's not as crazy as she is that's what that's what they were accepted every time in the past so what if Trump doesn't I don't think there's a whole lot of personal loyalty to Trump I think it's loyal I think it's loyalty to the Trump program and Trump, you know, he said halfway through his, uh, the primary, she said, you know, I thought this was all going to be about the economy. Then I made some remarks about building a wall, and all of a sudden I realized I had a movement. Mm. And he had a movement because he reached not into his mind, <laughs> which is remarkably unfurnished, 
but he reached into his guts and and began thinking like an American instead of an international playboy. Well, obviously, there's an international tint to all of this, Dr. Fleming, as U.S. policy has a worldwide effect. And people look at Brexit. They look at, I guess, a mere exit, you know, with, with Trump. They are starting to contemplate that a Marine Le Pen presidency could be the third piece of this puzzle, that it, it, Brexit wasn't supposed to happen. It did. Trump wasn't supposed to be elected president. He got elected. The right is never supposed to be elected in France. Well, yeah. Do you see that as a possibility? It is very much a possibility because, you know, as they, as, as the left likes to tell us, it's, uh, the world is no longer a big place. It's all, we're all one happy people. You know, when, uh, when Margaret Thatcher came in, she was, that was followed by, uh, the victory of Ronald Reagan and Chirac in France, who didn't, wasn't as tough as the two of them were. But the point is, it was what, you, uh, to, to, give it a proper name it was there was a neoliberal revolution of capitalist pragmatists and uh uh all over it 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 popped up everywhere uh all over the countries of the eu and that is right now what uh the what people want of course is home rule uh local self-control an, an end to futile wars, stopping the third world invasion of their countries. I mean, these are, these are very simple, practical ideas. You would have to be a, a, a savage lunatic to, uh, to promote, try to promote more African and Indian, uh, Pakistani and Middle Eastern immigration into Germany, for example. Uh, Merkel is, uh, well, as a, as a Greek friend of mine said, who is a political journalist, he said, communism is not a disease from which one can recover. It's a form, a permanent form of mental illness. So we've been enduring mentally ill rulers in Britain. Uh, and including the conservative party, uh, Dave Cameron was is just as bad, was, or if, if anything, worse than Tony Blair. And, but there is a, there is a, the, the pendulum has swung in the other direction. And I would expect to see more Victor Orbans in the EU, uh, than, uh, than, uh, the, say, for example, the, the current regime in France. Who heartily endorsed Trump, uh, to the horror and dismay of, uh, all his, uh, fellow politicians in Europe. Well, exactly. Well, it's interesting. The first le- the first congratulations to come in came from uh, came from Orban to to Trump, came from Putin, came from from Netanyahu, and uh, you know, I mean, these are this this is a strange coalition. But I, what does Netanyahu have in common with Orban other than not liking Muslims? It's very simple. Both of the you know, or or with Putin, both of all of them are uh, unscrupulous political schemers who happen to love their country and are willing to work very hard to advance the interests of their country. And that that is really a big change. I would say not since 1932 has America had a, has a, had a real president like that. They've all been globalists. You know, when, when, when Franklin Roosevelt came to power, the Republicans just started throwing up uh, FDR lights. People who say, well, I'll do everything FDR does, but I'll do it a little more efficiently. Hmm. And uh, that's what we've been dealing with. That is, they, they, the Democrats in this country and the Labor Party in Britain and the socialists in France, they've been waging a constant and unremitting revolution. And the only answer 
their uh, their the opposition parties give is well we can do it on a more business like basis more effectively and go a little slower and antagonize fewer people that is not how you wage a counter revolution. Well, so uh, going getting to that idea of counter revolution, you're not just chalking this up to a moral victory. You're saying that this is the first step of the counter revolution. How how is that going to proceed further, both in the United States and internationally? The um, it is it has to be a moral victory to begin with. It has to be an intellectual victory. What what is lacking in Trump and his supporters is anything like a coherent worldview. But they have an instinctive worldview, which which is sort of blood and soil patriotism. And if that can be put back uh, on center stage as a debating point in a civilized world, because I mean that's that's Netanyahu, like him or hate him. I incline more to the to the latter, like him or hate him. He's done an effective job in in uh, defending uniquely his own country's interests and and saying uh, the, tell the tell the world what they can do with themselves. So uh, and that's it's true of Putin and Russia, and and so if we see this developing, I think we have a much greater chance for one thing for world peace. Because we've had nothing but war for, for, uh, since the break, since the end of the Cold War. It's been an extremely violent period, as by the way, I predicted at the time. Um, you know, we, we had a world order based on antagonism between the, the, uh, U.S. and its allies and the USSR. When that, when that broke down, then the United States became the only global superpower and we, we've been provoking, uh, people and, uh, and attacking them ever since. But if, if, National self-interest becomes the uh, the rallying cry of the civilized countries of the world. Then pursuing their own self-interest is is going to is going to make the world a, a much more peaceful place and a much more prosperous place because each country will then be be working on its own. What we're doing now is uh, we are falling all over ourselves trying to run the the, the globe. You know, we've got businessmen, business co- coalitions at, at uh, on Wall Street who think they own the world, and they're doing a very rotten job. Whereas we might, they might just be able to run New York City for a change. So the more people are empowered at lower and lower levels of social organization, the better they're able to deal with crises as they come up. Right now, we have a very, very ineffective world system, which is controlled by a couple of hundred people. When you're dealing with billions of human beings, that that is simply not uh, an effective or even a possible method. Well, uh, as you know, our the Fleming Foundation readers and listeners are a fairly literate sort, Dr. Fleming, like attracts like. And one of our readers wrote on the website today or yesterday uh, that the election got rid of Mr. Kurtz to replace him with Long John Silver. Can you explain the illusion and whether you agree, disagree, or say, uh, you know, we welcome pirates here? I mean, I some, some of our some of our listeners may not know how how good you look with an eye patch. Uh, they may not have seen that before, but uh, but feel free to comment. Yes, well, when I I wear an eye patch, must because I've got deteriorating vision. But uh, and so the the children in our neighborhood uh, are, are will come up to me and say, "Mister, are you a pirate?" And I say, "You're darn right, I am." But um, the, uh, of course, Mr. Kurtz is the, the, the dark hero or villain of, uh, of Conrad's Heart of Darkness. And, uh, and he was being compared with uh, Hillary Clinton. Long John Silver is, of course, the heroic pirate, 
uh, villain of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's great book, one of the great English pieces of fiction, uh, Treasure Island, a, a book which has unfortunately often misunderstood as some kind of children's book. Although children love it, but it's a very, it's a profound book. But Long John was based on uh, Stevenson's great friend, William Ernest Henley, the, the author of the poem Invictus. And he had some kind of blood poisoning. He was a very ath- great athlete, a great, a great uh, sailor, yachtsman. And uh, he had to have his leg amputated. And Stevenson went to visit him in the hospital, figuring that he'd be suicidal. And instead, what he found is his friend had indomitable good cheerfulness and, and goodwill and a resolve just to lead the life he wanted to lead, whatever might be thrown at him. And he based Silver, who was admittedly a pirate, a criminal, and willing to kill people, but he he based him on, on his friend Henley. Uh, my point about Silver is, yes, he's he's bad and he's bold. He doesn't hurt anybody unless he has to to stay alive and to and to and to get the treasure. He has no petty malice. He's a man of great nobility of soul. And if Donald Trump, with all his weaknesses, with with women and cor- corrupt politics and with bankruptcy and everything else, yeah, he's a buccaneer, all right. But if he's a buccaneer in the style of Long John Silver, then this country is very lucky to have him. Well, Dr. Fleming, I wanted to keep this something just short, reactionary to get back out to our listeners. Obviously, we have our regular podcast series that we do every month here at the Fleming Foundation. But we wanted to make this available to people who are not subscribers. Normally, you have to be a gold-level member, subscriber, or above to uh, get access to our Enlightening Fleming Foundation podcast. But this was something we wanted to make free to the general public. It was made possible by the generosity of our paying subscribers. And we hope that those of you who are listening to Fleming Foundation content for the first time may consider coming to our site. We have um, free uh, content available. You can All you just need to do is register and you get access to, at this point, hundreds of articles uh, and some uh, podcasts for free, actually. All of our Zero episodes are always free to the public. So um, hopefully we've teased you with some good information that you're, you're interested in and that you you come to our website and register. Is there anything else that you'd like to close with, Dr. Fleming, that, that you wanted to speak about today? Only that uh, we're going to have an extremely interesting four years, and I hope that uh, people who hear this for free will have the good sense to sign up for uh, our foundation website and join in on a very interesting conversation. If you have any questions about anything you heard on today's episode, please email thomas at fleming.foundation. We want to remind you that the Fleming Foundation's special edition podcast for uh, the Trump election is a production of the Fleming Foundation. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to james at fleming.foundation. As always, thanks to our Gold and Charter members who we produce these podcasts for and who ensure that they can be produced in the first place. I want to thank Dr. Fleming for his time, and until next episode, on behalf of the Foundation, make the most of a dark age.